Hello, and welcome to another episode on the Inspiration Board, the podcast dedicated to sharing artists who inspire me and have them share their own stories and inspirations. My name's Khalees, and I'm the host of this podcast. For today's episode, we have someone who I have looked up to for a very long time, and her name is Chelsea Ferretti. Chelsea is an illustrator and cartoonist from New Zealand. She's currently working at Muck Putty Animation Studios as a background artist, and she's also in the process of creating her debut graphic novel, Project Knot. I'm so grateful for Chelsea for taking the time to talk with me and share her experiences and stories. I think you'll really enjoy this episode, and I just can't wait for you all to hear it. So without further ado, let's just get right into the episode. Hi, Chelsea. Hi. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing pretty well on this Sunday, but it's Monday over where you're at, right? Yes, in New Zealand. It is Monday. Nice. Very nice. I'm trying to get the idea that you're completely on the other opposite side of the world. <laughs> um, well, would you first like to introduce yourself? Tell us a little about a little bit about yourself and your work. Yeah, of course. Um, I'm Chelsea, otherwise known as Chariot Online. Um, 25 years old. Um, I'm from New Zealand and I'm currently between working on my debut graphic novel, Project Nord, and also as a background artist on the side. Awesome. Well, I'm so happy to have you here. And I think it's appropriate just to kind of start from the beginning, or at least how I found you. Back in 2015, you started a webcomic called Rock and Riot. And you described it as the tale of two opposing teenage gangs in the 1950s with LGBT themes. So how did Rock and Riot start and how did it become what it is today? Okay, so if you remember back to like 2014 Tumblr, um, people were just really craving queer representation <laughs> stories. Oh, yeah. Um, like there was nothing. There was some um, films, but they usually ended up with death and sadness and breakups. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was practically nothing in cartoons. Like, this was pre-Garnet coming out in Steven Universe. I think all we had was Korra and Asami holding hands at the end of Korra. Like, (laughs) this was a different time. Yeah, and you mix that with the fact that people were going through, like, a rockabilly phase. Like, Arctic Monkeys was really popular, Lana Del Rey, people really just loved that 50s aesthetic. Mm -hmm. So, I kind of combined both of these things, and I was like, first, I want my own story where it's a full cast of gays, everyone's happy, there's a happy ending. So, when you were working on Rock and Riot, that was like your first, like, official comic you worked on, right? Uh, Well, I technically had like a tester comic right before that where I tried to make Project North first. Um, Oh, it was the first comic that I posted online. Oh, that's interesting. So yeah, you worked on that's a long time ago. You've been working on Project Not for a while. That's so Uh cool. Yeah, it was gonna be my first webcomic, but it failed pretty fast and I didn't ever post it. (laughs) Oh, well, I'm glad that it's in progress now. I'm so excited to read it. Uh, but thank you. But really quick, back to Rock and Riot uh-huh. being like your first like officially like posted comic, right? Yes. What's something that you think you took away from working on Rock and Riot? Definitely the work ethic. 
Mm. Um, because I'm sure all webcomic artists know this, but there's really nothing holding you to creating it. It has to come from sheer willpower. Like, unless you're earning a ton of money from it and you can afford to work on it full time, you really have to rely on yourself. Because I, I did have a Patreon while creating that comic, but it was only bringing in at its peak, maybe a few hundred dollars a month, which is obviously not a willing, uh, living wage. And towards the end of it, I did use that money to pay a colorist. But yeah, so I had to rely a lot on just self-discipline to finish the comic. Has working on Rock and Riot affected how you tackle current projects as of right now? Mm. So comparing Rock and Riot to Project Nort, they were both very very different projects of how they were created. With Rock and Riot, I actually had like zero planning when I started. I all I knew was like the ending and the first chapter and like some character designs and a lot of the characters I designed while drawing the page. So <laughs> there was like very little thought. But it really suited me as a webcomic artist because I could just make the comic as long as I wanted. And if I was having fun with something, I could plan another chapter like that later on, introduce new characters whenever I felt like it, and just have a lot more fun with it than if I had written the whole thing out beforehand. Right. Um, it keeps yeah. it, like, fresh and makes yeah. you gives you motivation to continue, right? Yeah. Like, Ace and their gang, I came up with that, like, just before I started that chapter. <laughs> I was like, I need this set of characters. And then when I was drawing that chapter, I was like, ooh, I really ship Ace and Raleigh, so I might put them together later. Oh. Um, so I could just keep adding in these little things. And that honestly was the best part of the comic, in my opinion, um, Ace and Raleigh. I, you know what, I definitely have to agree, because they were actually my favorite characters yeah. throughout the entire comic. I'm so glad when I was reading the um, specific chapter of, like, spoilers for those who haven't read Rock and Riot, uh -huh. but... Uh, the chapter where Ace is like trying to ask Raleigh to prom. That was like yeah. one of my favorite chapters. It was so yeah. cute, like how it was all I written do. and all of that. Oh, I loved it so much. I'm so glad that yeah. it worked out like that. Yeah, it was kind of like being a director and noticing two characters having really good chemistry. Right? You're yeah, just like, so... you look at a picture and you're like, I can work with this. I want to continue yeah. working on this. That's exciting. Yeah. And I also got to gauge like people's reactions as I went, so... I knew that it would be a good idea if I put them together. Oh, yeah. I remember yeah. back in the Tumblr days, I would, like, look through the tag and everybody adored Raleigh and Ace. <laughs> like, obviously the other characters, too, but I remember there was a little special place in our hearts for those two. Compare that to Project Nort, because it was picked up for a book deal, it had to be 100% planned, mm -hmm. um, which I found to be a bit difficult and I still feel like sometimes there's things about that that don't quite work for comics uh -huh. um for example like when you're scripting when you put that script onto the page you may want to rewrite the sentence to get it to feed a, sp a speech bubble rearrange the words take out really long words so it like fits nicely if you know what I mean um, oh yeah, yeah for sure but, but when it's already been copy edited by like 10 different editors in the publishing house i feel really bad when i change something after the fact because then they have to like look at it again and make sure i spelled everything correctly so yeah i haven't quite perfected the pipeline for that yet so it had to be fully scripted edited 10 times over and then thumbnailed the entire book and then lined the entire book 
So it's just one big collaborative process. Yes. And a lot of back and forth. Yeah, the biggest batch of pages ever. <laughs> well, I want to say congratulations because you recently just finished lining, like you said, your debut graphic novel, Project Not. For those people who don't really know what Project Not is, can you explain what it is and how it became about? Project Not is my debut graphic novel, so it's the first comic that I've made that's going to be published and on shelves in the store. It's a queer sci-fi coming of age um, comic about a time travel exchange program. It's going to be set 100 years in the future and our main character is Ren, my sweet boy, <laughs> from 1996 and mm. he basically gets kidnapped into the future without any like consent. Um, mm. And he's been told he has to stay there for a few months and be a part of their school program where he's going to be studied and paired up with students and things like that. So he's not very happy about it, despite <laughs> like this one in a million opportunity. Um, but he does meet his love interest, Mars, who is a boy from the future. You know, things aren't all bad. Oh, that's exciting. The, just hearing that description in total like makes me want to read it like hands down. Like right away, whenever I can get my hands on it, because uh, I do, I do remember you. Did you first post it as a web comic in like t yes. around twenty seventeen? Ish. Yes. So it's this story has had such a long timeline. I actually just tweeted about it this morning with like a thread oh. of its entire progression. Um, <laughs> but in short, so I came up with it when I was like fifteen or something, and I intended it to be an illustrated novel. Then in 2015, I tried it as a webcomic and didn't post it. Then I made Rock and Riot. And then after Rock and Riot finished, I was like, okay, I'm going to try Project Ignored again as a webcomic. And I ran it for a year before I decided to pitch it. So it's been remade so many times. <laughs> and this is the first time that I've gotten this far. So yeah. this is this is like your baby. This is your child that you've grown up with. I've re remade and rewritten it so many times and I still want to rewrite it now because um, <laughs> my script was written in 2019 and I'm like, oh, oh wow. I do so much better now. There's so many things I would fix, but I can't. It's like far too late. So I just kind of have to live with it now. Well, I can imagine going on such a long journey with this project. You've learned so much. And yeah. I wanted to ask for working on Project Not. What has it taught you, not only as an artist, but as a person? It's taught me that it's okay to, like, not be the greatest artist or writer out there. Um, because when I got signed, I was really worried that suddenly there's going to be a much higher expectation of me. Um, and overall, I don't have that many years' experience in comics. Like, really only a few years before I actually got signed and even less experience with writing because I always kind of put writing on the back burner because I was like, I'll just let my art show for that. Yeah, so I was really worried. I was comparing myself to a lot of comics that I had on my shelf where they had separate writers who were much more experienced and older than I was. Mm -hmm. um, but then I kind of had to realize that, like, there are a lot of published books out there that aren't very good. Hmm. <laughs> well, I mean... I definitely had to agree there are some stuff out there that's just not, you know, up my alley. Yeah. But yeah, basically, many people's first books aren't the greatest. It doesn't kill their career. They can go on to have long, successful careers, and they're allowed to just keep getting better and better. Yeah, it's like people will know that I'm young and hopefully won't hold it 
too much against me that I'm not the most skilled writer out there. And there may be some things about my book that aren't like totally up to publishing standard, but that's fine because most readers won't even notice. Right. And I think the other thing to keep in mind too, as you know, both writers and artists, they got to start somewhere. Yeah. Right. And we all have to make mistakes and I think it will be so cool, you know, in the future when you look back and see all your future work and compare it to your current work and see how much you've grown, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I've already grown so much just in the process of this book. I was really confident with how things are looking in the last chapter when I was lining it. And then suddenly I have to go back to chapter one and color it. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so painful. It looks so ugly. <laughs> <laughs> oh man well i'm super excited to read it i adore your art it's just i love so what, what i love about your art specifically is like your line work like the thick oh, the, the thickness and the variation that you have it's just it's so cool uh, it's very inspiring to me i i adore it and i know a lot of yeah. other people are going to adore it too yeah i'm sure i'm just being hard on myself because i've read my own comic like a bazillion times in the process of making and editing it um, so I, I see all the flaws, but I'm sure if someone is reading it once or a few times, these are things that they wouldn't even notice or care about. So throughout your process working on Project Knot, you've been very open about how physically demanding it has been on you. Specifically, yes. you shared that you would have to take breaks in between in order to heal your hand and your wrist. Okay. Uh, why do you believe it's so important to share this part of your process? Well, first I'll explain like what the injury is. So basically it's inflammation in both of my hands. Unfortunately, I don't know why it hits both. Like obviously I'm just drawing with one hand, but both like to get all the attention. Um, so it feels like a throbbing kind of like twinging pain pretty much everywhere, like in my wrist, around my thumb, um, down the side of my hand just from holding them in the, in the same position all day, every day. When it happened, I only knew what it was because a close friend of mine online had just gone through the same thing. And I knew that it lasted them two months from this one injury. Um, oh, wow. So I, yeah, so I knew immediately I had to go to my doctor and ask for anti-inflammatory pills. And I knew that I had to ice my hands daily um, and just take breaks and not work at all. And the first time that I got injured, it also lasted me two months. And in that entire time, I couldn't work at all. So it oh was, my gosh, it was a very hard and upsetting time. You know, as artists, we kind of define ourselves by our productivity and what we're creating. So when you can't do that, and also chuck on top, like, I couldn't earn money from my job because I couldn't work. I couldn't play video games because it was too strenuous. So I was just kind of sitting there staring at a wall, like, trying to think of other things to do. So this year, I've probably be injured about five months total. Because once I got through the two months, I worked again for a month, and then it hit me again. And it keeps being on and off. So I'm sort of like... Uh, when's the next injury going to hit, you know? Yeah, so being online, I never really knew to the extent, like, how you could be injured as an artist um, because previously 
whenever I did hurt my hands, it'd be like, oh, just take the weekend off, you know, just don't draw today and it'll be fine tomorrow. I never really understood like how long these injuries can affect you. I think that's kind of why it's important to share. I don't usually share in the moment when I'm injured because I tend to stay away from the internet when I'm sad and then I'll, I'll come back at the end of the injury like, hey, I've been gone for two months, but I'm back and I'm fine. I actually felt embarrassed a lot of the time when I would get injured. Oh, really? Um, yeah, because, you know, when you're proud of yourself for, like, doing a lot of work and then you'll tweet about it, like, I did so much, you know, I've been so productive. And then to immediately be hit with injury, it was just sort of embarrassing that I would promote excessive productivity and then have to deal with the consequences like I worry a lot about making people feel bad that they haven't been doing enough or being productive enough or drawing fast enough especially when it kind of led to my own downfall so that's sometimes why I wouldn't talk about it but it's like I should talk about the injury now because it'll tell people like it's okay to not be drawing you know, how many pages in a day because it's not healthy. Absolutely. You know, yeah. I've talked about this specific topic with a lot of artists on my previous mm-hmm. episodes where specifically social media has caused this sort of invisible pressure to mm-hmm. constantly pull out work. Even when you physically or mentally can't, it's just it's something you need to do. Otherwise, you're, you're quote unquote behind right? And I think you're doing a great service to artists to being so open about your injury and how long it actually does take, because I think we do forget, like, how important it is to take breaks and that making art isn't just the only thing about us. We're so many other things and just creating art constantly, nonstop, 24-7, right? We have our own hobbies. We have our own lives we have to live. There's just, it's, this standard is just impossible to meet and we shouldn't have to feel like we had to meet that standard. So I'm so happy that you're being so honest about this because I think some some people, especially me, need a wake-up call with that, that it's okay to take breaks and it's okay yeah. to prioritize your health as artists. Yeah, it's. I wish there was some sort of advice I could pass on um, from these injuries. Like, okay, so just make sure not to push yourself or do these other things. But it's sort of like when that's your source of income and you're not earning much to begin with, you can't really tell someone to take breaks, you know, when that's their food for the week. Mm. So there's nothing I can really say. Um, It's like I could say know your limits, but I thought I knew my limits until suddenly, like, that wasn't okay anymore um because once you're injured that's it there isn't really any going back from it it'll just hit you and then suddenly you can't hold your pen yeah, yeah. that's definitely something to think about and it's different mm-hmm. depending on your situation as you said like people who had to do this for a living like constantly having to be careful yeah. of of your work that that must be exhausting but i'm yeah. glad i'm glad you're learning right and you're sharing with you are sharing with what you learned, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. And I'm relearning my limits and just taking things really slow. I think at the moment I can't work for more than like five hours um, without possibly sending myself back into injury. I'm hoping that'll 
the the limits will go up as I heal, but I'm kind of worried that this is something that I will always have to think about. Hey, so we're going to take a quick little break, so we'll be right back. Not only are you working on Project Knot, you're also working in animation as a background artist for Muck Putty Studios. Mm-hmm. How do you balance all these different jobs while also focusing on your well-being? Um, well, first of all, the well-being part clearly didn't work out. Mm. Um, so we're just going to rewrite, re- rewind and pretend that I'm talking about pre-injury here. Um, oh, yes. So... It's like when you a full-time job and then another job comes along, you'll have to like rearrange your schedule and figure out how that's going to work. So first I had to balance money and figure out like how much time I could afford to take off from my studio job so I can replace those with comic days. So to balance those, I really had to make sure that I had my set hours and I didn't work outside of those hours. So once it hit like four or five o'clock, I have to stop working and just relax. So that that was working for me for quite a while. But then once I got injured, I realized that was still too much. Um, like I was just, because I had my set hours, I had kind of perfected my discipline that I was cramming so much work into those hours that kind of led to my injury. I see. So yeah. you're just having to just adapt as you go on, huh? So once I've been injured, I've I've still had to reduce my hours at work. Um, now I work two days a week for my studio, which is like just what I can afford to do, and work two days a week on my comic. And I'm hoping to kind of build those days back up as I heal my hands. And then outside of work, really not do anything that could be too strenuous. So I, I've banned myself from my Nintendo Switch, which is really sad because Animal Crossing updated. And oh no! Really uh, I yeah, I was like I was like really into Mario Kart for a while as well, but that is like so strenuous on my hands. Like I can't play Minecraft. I just have to just get obsessed with like watching YouTube and Netflix shows and things like that, just so I can make sure that I'm not using my hands in my spare time. Yeah, I I definitely had to agree because I don't know about you, but I feel like like with the Switch controllers. They're really hard to hold. Yeah, they're not they're not very ergonomic. So working in animation and working in comics, I feel people uh-huh. people think it's it's an easy transition. Um, but I wanna know just from your experience, how different is it to to transition from working on comics to working in animation? Well, for me these two things have always been side by side actually. Like I've never really transition from one to the other because it was when I was studying animation in school is when I started my first webcomic and then I got my first job in a studio and I finished up Rock and Riot and then I got my current job and that's where I pitched Project Not. so they've always been both in my life at the same time. It is nice to have the difference between the two because for comics, I'm, I'm working for myself, and for my studio, I get to work under other people. So it kind of takes that stress and that responsibility in a way of having to make all the big decisions. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like having yeah. having someone else overlook your work rather than yeah. you being your own boss again, right? Uh-huh. So you actually kind of talked about this at the beginning of the episode, uh-huh. uh, how you 
saw like you related and how everybody else on like the online community were craving um, <clears throat> queer themes in media, right? Yeah. And a majority of your work has a lot of LGBTQ themes, uh-huh. which I appreciate for sure. Uh, how important is it to you to have LGBT representation in your work? I love having full queer cast. Like all of my comics so far have been fully queer. And my next comic that's a secret is also going to be an entirely gay cast. Surprise, surprise. But I think it's also just more important for the audience because I've only recently learned this when I joined TikTok, but Rock and Riot had a really, really young reader base. I didn't quite know the extent until recently because I got a ton of comments on TikTok um, from teenagers telling me like, I was in middle school, I was in primary school when I read your comic, like, I read this when I was 10, I grew up on it, and saying that it was, like, their first introduction to a lot of sexualities and genders, which is, like, crazy to think about. That's super cool. Yeah, like, I had a cast page on my comic that listed all of the characters and their sexualities and genders, and that would lead you to like Wikipedia page articles and things like that kind of explaining what that specific identity is. So there are a lot of more obscure ones, especially for 2015, like demisexual or bi-gender, things like that, where people were coming across these terms for the very first time, learning about it and realizing that this is like a real thing and you can identify as it and it's normal and it would help them also discover themselves and think, oh, this is actually something that I kind of relate to and makes sense to me. Yes, absolutely. That's just, that's so cool how people have reached out to you and kind of thanked you for sharing because I, I do believe you were one of the first people to kind of share these queer experiences in media like that because you were right when you were talking about, you know, beginning of the early 2010s where uh-huh. we were just seeing you know, Asami and Cora and Garnet and all of that. And I feel like Tumblr was a good outlet for youth to find community in that aspect, yeah. right? And yeah, I definitely wasn't the first. There were plenty of people before me. Um, but I think because my comic was aimed so much younger, it was a lot of people's first experiences um, into learning about these things. Well, I personally want to thank you because it definitely was one of my first uh, looking into it and it really helped me and my friends along the way and I just want to say thank you for making such a beautiful piece of art that helped us throughout our, li- throughout our lives. <laughs> well thank you for saying that. Of course. So I cannot not mention this. You uh-huh. from your art I have seen you're a big fan of musicals. Yes. And would you say they're a really big inspiration for your work? They were a huge inspiration for Rock and Riot for obvious reasons, um, <laughs> like Grease, obviously. Uh, oh, absolutely. Just visually, um, not really much to do with the story, but I just love the visuals and like how silly it kind of was. Hairspray, High School Musical, like these kind of musicals were all hugely influential for Rock and Riot. Um, and I did get to do a song for Rock and Riot as well. I'm not sure if you know but with Ace's promposal that was oh, all, yes. like, recorded and put on YouTube thanks to a friend who, sex, who sung it. Yeah, so it's like if, if Rock and Riot was ever adapted, it definitely has, has to be musical. 
Oh, hands down. Absolutely. Yeah. I do remember seeing that video online and they were like dressed up as Ace, right? They had a uh, ukulele. It was so cute. I loved it. Yeah. And it was, it was, the song was in the comic too, right? Yeah. Like uh, bits and pieces of the lyrics were in there. Um, so not the full version, but it was clearly a song. So that was really a really fun experience to be able to do. Are there any musicals in particular that inspire you the most in your work? Not just Rock and Riot? I didn't really have any musical inspiration for Project Nought. Um, I just love musicals in general. Like, I can watch them a bazillion times over because it's just kind of like an extended music video. And I really love Twilight. Like, those are the two genres of things that I love to watch is the Twilight Saga and musicals. Yes, I yeah, love that. I love, to, I love to have, like, kind of outrageous silliness, campiness in my comics. So I think that probably comes from musicals. Oh, interesting. I like, I like that perspective. Thank you for sharing. Oh, no problem. So we finally reached the end, Chelsea. But oh. before you go, there is... Uh -huh the most important question I do had to ask. Uh, yes. For me, the point of this podcast is sharing artists who inspire me to share their own inspirations. And my last question is, who are some people who inspire you that you would like to give a shout out to? I definitely need to shout out Courtney Hahn. Their at is Courtney and they have been doing all the flats for a project. Not, well, like not all of them, but like 90% of them, which has been a huge weight off my shoulders to be able to go into coloring my book and all the all the flat coloring is already there so I just kind of have to switch around the colors but they've been incredible the pages are so clean and so professional um and they also work on their own comics they're looking for an agent and deserve the world shout out to my friend Kale who's in America right now <laughs> Kale's bug uh, is their handle but yes their comic is Grief Belt they draw a lot of Witcher fan art and they have some amazing OCs, which I hope turn into a comic someday. Well, that's super exciting. I love Kale's work. Yes. Well, then, <laughs> I guess we've reached the end, Chelsea. Yes, thank oh, you so much for having me. Of course, thank you so much for joining me. I It's such an honor getting to talk with you. Thank you. This is my very first podcast ever, so I've been really nervous, but I hope it turned out okay. <laughs> I am beyond honored that you chose to be on here. So thank you so much. I know so many people are going to enjoy listening to this. Oh, thank you. I want to thank Chelsea again so much for taking the time and joining me for this episode. I can't thank you enough for your constant support, patience, and kindness throughout this entire process. And I want to thank you, the listener, if you're still listening to the very end, for listening to this episode today. I'm so grateful for your support of this little passion project of mine. This will be the last episode for 2021, but don't worry, I'll be back in 2022 with some new inspiring artists I know you won't want to miss. Thank you so much again for listening, and I hope to see you on the next one.